Hello. Hi, good morning. <laughs> uh, it's What's Good With You podcast, and this is Nia Queen. Um, we have a special guest today standing in for, you know, the hood psychologist. He couldn't make it today. He was feeling under the weather. But today, we have a guest, Lawrence Carter. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Lawrence is a political activist, student, and co-founder of Black Organizers United. Lawrence also has his own YouTube show called Larry Chats, where he discusses politics and social topics. And when he's not making videos, he is a full-time student at Cal State San Bernardino and working with Black Organizers United to build political engagement and awareness in the Black community. Welcome to What's Good With You. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is our first guest. I'm so excited. Ah, oh, man. Ah, oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Let's get right into it. Um, Hate to see it. That's our first segment. And I was really nervous. Honestly, like, I'm not going to really? lie. I felt like I felt like Trump was going to win. What? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because I wanted him to win. Right, right, yeah. But I've just seen... So much like Trump supporters, just so much hate, you know, on yeah. Instagram and, you know, social media. And I was just like, oh, dang, like he really got a lot of following. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was yeah. getting a little scared because I'm like, you know, nobody expected him to win in 2016. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, we're just doubting like, oh, he's not going to win. Hillary's going to win. Oh, he's stupid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, he's not a politician. There's no way he can win. Yeah. And then he won in 2016. And like, it was a shock. So this election, you know, I was hoping that he wouldn't win, but I was a little afraid that, you know, he could do it. But. I mean, he lost. So. You, were, you were hesitant, like, seeing the results? That's what you were Yeah, seeing the results. Oh, no. yeah, seeing yeah. the results. When like, it was close. I was nervous, yeah. <laughs> I was like, dang, this is close. Like, nah. oh, man. But, you know, it's been a long week. Like, it's been, I've been very anxious, like, checking my phone every, like, time I wake up. Like, okay, did they post oh, the results? Yeah. Did they post the results? <laughs> like, I was just so like the scared. Whole- the whole country was basically waiting on a pregnancy test. Like right. The results exactly. of a pred- for, for days. Right. Yeah. And so we're recording this on Sunday. So yesterday they announced that Joe Biden is the president elect. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were partying in the streets. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I seen memes of like little baby putting a chain on him oh and everything. My, I'm like, memes. all right, this the man memes. is not black, y'all. <laughs> This man is not black. Just the because memes. he worked with Obama, he's not black, y'all. Okay, just letting y'all know that. Anyway. The beams. But um, also I saw a lot of, you know, tension between people in the black community who are like, you guys think that Joe Biden is your savior <laughs> and, and the Democratic Party is filled with pedophiles and like, you know, just, you know, saying all this stuff. And I'm just like. I want to have a healthy conversation about it without mm-hmm. being disrespectful and try to understand their side. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, come on, like just be happy that Trump is gone. You yeah. know? Well, I mean, some people, they have a, let's just say a complex, you know, like or adverse um, thought toward Trump. Mm-hmm. Because even though if you ask a hundred people, what policy did he institute to specifically benefit your life? Probably 80 of them are going to say nothing. Right. Probably. Yeah. Um, now, there's a couple of rich people, you know, yada, yada, things right. like that that don't benefit from it. But a lot of people, they have hope. They had hope in Trump, like they what they wanted to see. So, mm-hmm. 
I kind of understand. Obviously, he didn't come through with, <laughs> with yeah. you know, pro- with those promises. But I kind of understand. But at the same time, if you want to have like a civil conversation, it's going to take both people to be adults and realize, you know, what's true, what's not true. Because saying Democrats are pedophiles, it's not even. Come on, it's not even realistic. Like that, that's dumb. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'll say this: like, I'm open to learning new information, and right. I try not to speak on politics too much because that's not my forte. Mm-hmm. My forte is mental health. Okay, <laughs> I, if you want to ask me about mental health or mental illness or therapy, anything about that, I can answer that. But politics, that's not my, you know, forte. So when I'm thinking about who I'm voting for, I'm thinking about okay, what plans do they have for the black community what policies do they have if this person is in position of power will it be easier to get the policies through that i want or that right. benefit me yeah. and i looked at it as okay even though i don't support all of joe biden's you know past political career and you know the crime bill and all that i don't support that but i'm thinking in my head if joe biden is the president it will be easier for me to get policies passed that benefit me. Right. Right? So th- that's how I'm looking at it. With Trump, I don't see that. Absolutely not. So, There's been no show of that. Exactly. <laughs> like, all he cares about is money and, and himself. himself. Yeah. Right? Um, would you say that Trump is a narcissist? Yeah. So um, there's, like, a panel of mental health professionals for, I, I forgot what it was called, but it was, like, 70 of them. And they all gave like a diagnosis, so you know, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, just based on how he's acted, what he's done, what he said, mm-hmm. collectively, everything, even policy. Um, and they concluded that he was a narcissist and that he had some kind of personality disorder, some narcissistic like personality disorder. That's go. what I, and, yeah, and I, was, I, was like, I was like, that's... if we know this, <laughs> I mean, somebody, and we, you can't step in because, right. you know, you, he has to like, accept that and right you know, and he's not gonna accept it exactly he hasn't even accepted that he lost yeah oh, he right. tweeted yesterday morning like oh i'm leaving yeah it's like i won if you count the leo votes i won this is not over like oh my goodness just let it go man then he tried to say stop the count i was just like okay oh yeah you see when it's somebody else on the other side that's losing, you know, he, he didn't, you know, he doesn't question it. But when yeah. he's losing, it's, oh, no, it's rigged. Oh, no, stop the count. Yeah, yeah. This is illegal. Da, 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 da. And it's just like, why can't you just accept your loss as a man? And it's, it's but that's what it's like when your entire life you've been at the top. Your entire right. life you've been privileged and things have been handed to you. Right. Losses are not acceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, not even a reality in, in right. most cases. So he lost a, um, a Grammy. Um, in like, I don't know, 2004 or something. Mm-hmm. And he said, the the Grammys are rigged against me. And then he, he oh, lost yeah, another Oh, yeah, I saw that. When Hillary Clinton said that, right? She did? Yeah, like in the in the debate. I posted a video about it. In the debate that they had in 2016, mm-hmm. she was giving all these examples of when he lost, saying he lost all these things. And, the, and every time he said it was rigged. Every single time. Because when you're handed everything, when you live a privileged life, amongst, right. socially even, amongst right. other people, you're like, I'm the best. I'm the most amazing. Right. There's no such thing as losing. If I lose, something's wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's kind of how that's carried over. <laughs> I ain't leaving office. Yeah. I'm just like, okay. But but also a part of me is a little bit scared because I'm like, he doesn't leave until January. 
So what is right. he going to do in these yeah. next couple of months? He can like, write up some executive orders that exactly. just <laughs> ooh, tear us to pieces. Yeah, I'm like. And everybody that protested going to jail. And, right, you know, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm a little nervous about that. But yeah. I'm, I'm glad that this election is over. And I feel like, you know, being in quarantine has helped open a lot of people's eyes about what's really going on in this country. Yeah. And I feel like that's why, you know, the voter turnout was so great. Cause yeah, it normally, yeah. you know, it normally isn't like that. And like a lot of people, a lot of new people registered to vote. And mm-hmm. I'm just happy that, you know, people are getting more involved and in seeing that they do need to do something, you know, other than just comment on Instagram about mm. Trump. Like you need to go out there and actually vote and have your voice be heard. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, <laughs> for my friends that you know didn't vote and all that you know that's that's on you you know i'm not gonna force anybody to vote like that's your decision but just i get a little mad when you want to complain about other things right. that's happening in the country but you didn't vote yeah i'm just like and, and, i mean honestly for people civic engagement is like the number one way to change right you know make changes that we want to see so mm-hmm. uh, yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of folks that that didn't vote, but they have a lot to say about like where we are. So mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. Did you do anything with um, Black Organizers United, like for this election? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we did a like a a mass campaign. Um, you know, for getting people registered, for telling people what propositions are, what propositions will affect the Black community the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as like registering people, educating people, and empowering them really to like. If you didn't think the election mattered, here's why it matters. Mm, you know, and yeah. we had a couple of events revolving around that, and it was good. It was good. We, we were able to get people politically engaged. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I've I like seeing people engaged. I like seeing black people, you know, engaged, and like also too. I want to acknowledge like Kamala Harris yeah. being the first woman vice yeah. president hbcu educated okay black woman. That's crazy. i mean she didn't go to hampton but it's okay <laughs> I'm, it's howard you know i'm, I'm yeah. down with howard too like it's okay <laughs> you know we're we gonna accept that win for today All, everybody from hbcus won yesterday absolutely um because yeah i've seen a lot of things like you know hbcu education doesn't prepare you for the real world and it's like no Who yes it does Who said that? no Ben Shapiro or mm. one of them. I ain't, I ain't gonna put no people out there. Nah. I ain't gonna put no people out Whoever there. But that, don't, exactly. Now you see that you know our education is valuable and HBCUs are valuable. Absolutely. And you know one thing that I loved about just being at the HBCU is that it gave me a lot more confidence. Mm. And I see that in Kamala. She has great confidence like she just carries herself very well and she's very well spoken mm-hmm. um it's just like i i see that howard in her you know a little right, bit yeah. a little bit but yeah that's There's you know a, it's ups and downs to this election yeah I'll oh, say always yes yeah, ups and downs we don't get everything that we want Man. and it's like you're never gonna get everything you want that's what you know people don't understand they're like why are you voting da, 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 da. it's like we're never gonna get everything that we want but yeah. I mean, it might so be easier for us to get some things now I was a part of instituting uh, various bills and making them laws um, and more recently uh, not more recently a couple of years ago um, I was av- lobbying for AB 392 
So this bill was specifically for police brutality in the instance of, you know, police. Uh, it was, it changed the language in the, like, in the police code, mm-hmm. quote unquote, from reasonable use of force to necessary use of force. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, there was a, a young man, Deontay Yarber, shot 28 times, I think, uh, mm-hmm. when he was sleeping in his car. So for that specific instance, we were like, that's not necessary. Like, right. that's not even reasonable use of force. Yeah. Um, so we got the language changed in the law. But initially, the law was, if they're unarmed, you don't even, you, you don't pull the gun out. You go for taser, baton, the number of things that police officers right. have. Um, but it's compromised. So politics is always compromised. We went in saying, okay, no more use of force if they're unarmed. And at the end of it, after we've compromised both sides, mm-hmm. Republicans, Democrats, uh, after they've compromised, they end up saying, OK, we're just going to change it from reasonable to necessary. So we're not going to it's not like don't touch them if they're unarmed, but it has to be necessary use of force. So politics mm-hmm. is all about compromise. Yeah. You know, you have to know how to fold them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> know where your wins are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh- that's unfortunate. At least it's a glimmer of hope. A glimmer. Shoot, this hope shining. Right, like <laughs> at least it's a glimmer. And I mean, some people might not agree, but you know that's okay. Let's agree to disagree. Right. Yeah. Because that's, that's what we're gonna have to do going forward. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't go back on these, um, you know, Instagram arguments, and yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we we're not gonna do that. We're just gonna take this little glimmer of hope. You can send it and to me. <laughs> use that as motivation to, you know. Be more engaged. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And push those policies that are going to support the black community. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go into our next segment, Let's Keep It Real. I'm titling this episode Boys Don't Cry because I feel like, you know, black men struggle with being vulnerable and, you know, sharing their emotions. And one of the reasons why I created this podcast was because I wanted to know how do black men process their emotions and I wanted to be able to connect with them on a deeper level and also connect with my black male clients because I've always struggled with, you know, getting them to open up Mm. and acknowledge their pain, acknowledge their trauma. Um, So... I have two black men with me right now. I have Lawrence and I have Clyde on the phone with us that joined us. And um, I'm just going to be asking them their experience, you know, as a black man growing up and how they deal with their emotions or not deal with them, Um, (laughs) whichever it is. Um, So I guess I'll start with Lawrence. Um, Last week we did an episode on parents and mm-hmm. how they affect your mental health. So I, I wanted to start off with like, how was your experience growing up and how did that affect the way you process your emotions or deal with your emotions? Uh, just dealing with specifically with like mental health. No, not mental health. Just even like being vulnerable with your emotions. Like, mm. you know, were you taught like, not to cry like were you taught you know man up shake it off like or were your parents more like no it's okay talk to us i don't think it was intentionally like don't cry and nothing like that but i i think i think in any situation i could be wrong but i think in any situation society is gonna have more of an influence than your parents are because mm. your parents are like oh 
they love me, they don't they want what's best for me, yada yada. You already know, like, you know, they they're kinda gonna steer me in the right direction, but that right. might be like not like a corny direction or like right. you know, detached from social things. So social socially I was influenced more than like parents or parent figures, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like because watching T V, you know, if you see somebody coming out on top and they're not showing their emotions and they're not you know, it, you see somebody in a place that you want to be, you mm-hmm. emulate them. Right. So if I see, like, on TV, I liked, uh, I really, really liked DMX growing up. Okay. <laughs> <And> so, like, <laughs> you, you know, with that as an example, you're not showing emotion. You ain't crying. You're not talking about trauma. Like, right. It's, it's an example set before, before me. Um, so I feel like that influenced me more than, like, parents. Um, but mm-hmm. I did still kind of create my own narrative from that Mm because i I don't i don't care i'll be vulnerable and if somebody takes advantage of me i'll throw them in the trash and Mm. go on to the next person and be vulnerable with them okay and make friendships based off that but not a lot of people are like that right takes kind of a courage to (laughs) to so how were you as a child like as far as dealing with disappointment or sadness like how would you i would um openly like i would openly be sad some if it was like devastating like i remember when my uh, my uncle died, mm-hmm. uh, I was like at school crying. Like I, I don't, you know, I okay. was never one to care what what outside people are like. Oh, right, he's crying. Right. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but that takes like a certain amount of mm-hmm. courage, and that wasn't influence. That was just a personality thing. Mm, okay, Clyde, what would you say? Like how how is the way you deal with your emotions? How was that um, shaped? Um, it, it, it was it was probably I mean. Today, people would see it as the wrong way to handle the emotions, but I'm pretty comfortable with how I I handle them. Like crying in front of people, that's like uh, it's not an option for me. Like I'm not I, I'm not I can't give anybody that 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 luxury of of seeing me cry, like me shedding tears in front of a a room full of people that I don't know won't happen. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if like I've been in situations where I got a phone call and and something went wrong, like uh, I just got to walk out the room. I I just feel like crying. It, it, it's, it's like one of those things. So where just like, I don't let people get to me. I just can't, I, I, I'm not comfortable with sharing my emotions with a room full of strangers. Uh, you know what I mean? And uh, when things happen, you know, I'm a man. A lot of times, I just feel like, you know, I, I seen my dad. Things felt, you know, things things didn't go as planned. But at the end of the day, he wasn't at the table crying about it. You know, mm. what I mean, he just manned up and made it work because mm. you know at the end of the day your family is the one you know you you the rock for your family to cry on you know you you can and, and when i was raised growing up like we don't we didn't cry over spilled milk you know what i mean there's there's other things to cry about but spilled milk ain't one of them you know what i mean like a lot of times you just take it on the chin and it it just forms you into um, it kind of makes you tough in a sense. But sounds like you have a lumpy time. chin. Huh? <laughs> it sounds like you have a lumpy chin. That's that's interesting it. because you guys have two completely opposite 
views on this, <laughs> which is great. But I wanted to ask you, I think you said a key thing is like he said when his dad growing up, when he went through stuff, he, you know, was the rock of the family. Mm-hmm. He he couldn't cry in front of the family. And I think that's a big thing. Um, why one of the reasons why black men don't show their emotions because they feel the need to be strong for everybody else. And that's, that's a big thing. Um, I wanted to ask you too, like when you say that you can't let people see you like that, or you can't let people get to you. What, what do you mean by that? Like, um, like, like if I was, I would cry at my job. Like I would cry. I, I just, I just feel like people like when they, I, I, I feel like, okay, I'm married, so like, oh, okay, that's a part of me, that's a part of me that, there, there's certain parts of me that my wife only get, you know what I mean, or people, my loved ones only get, okay. and if it, if it ever happens, like, you know, I, 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 I haven't, my wife hasn't seen me cry. But she hasn't seen me cry. Wow. And, and but if if I did cry, and my wife just so happened to be there, I, I would be, you know, I wouldn't be upset about it. Okay. But See, I think anybody I think... else, it's 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 more of a. I just feel like people hold that against you, like mm. like when you open up yourself to people, like. They 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 do weird stuff like yeah. that, and 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 it, especially when it comes to emotion, and when you open yourself up, it's there's. What do you mean you they do weird stuff? Like tell me, they do tell weird me more. Stuff like um, like for instance, like um, like you're you're having an emotional breakdown, or or they assume things are going on that's not really going on. And unfortunately, as a black man, we don't really have the luxury to be boo-hoo crying everywhere because the world is nasty to us. Mm. A lot of times we have to just take it on the chin and keep it pushing. Like, mm. we've all experienced being pulled over. Well, not everybody, but a good majority of us right. been experienced being pulled over, Man. mistreated, slammed on the hood of the car, like, I mean, I'm not going to cry about it. I know what it is. I'm going to be very upset, but it's okay. I would feel like that would be an okay moment to cry about it, but okay. the cop wouldn't see me cry. You know? Right. It so, would, it would, that's what I mean. I don't know. I feel like I understand like the notion of trying to be strong for everybody else. Right. Like, trying to be like, I'm the rock. I'm not going to show emotion. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I feel like strength would be showing emotion because you know <laughs> What's I mean, I wasn't going to say nothing, because, but... <laughs> like, like, think about it. If everybody around you is carrying on this, like, trend, so to speak, mm-hmm. it, it it's easy to fall in line with mm-hmm. that trend. It's easy right. socially to be like, all right, well, I'm just doing what everybody else do, because, you know, whatever. But it takes, a like, a certain amount of, like, courage and strength to be like, no, I don't care mm-hmm. what, you know, I don't care what the standard is or what the norm is. Mm-hmm. This is how I feel, so I'm going to express that. Right. I think that would be the strength rather than hiding it or acting like 
you know, you get slammed on the hood of a car. That's a traumatic experience. I got right. beat up in handcuffs. That's a traumatic experience. Right. And I cried. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. Did you cry you, while you were getting handcuffed? No, I, I was mad. <laughs> I was too mad to cry. Mm-hmm. Then. But after I did, and I think if we don't acknowledge that, not only does it not make us strong, in my opinion, but that makes us weaker because that's more weight. Like we're just carrying around baggage at this point that we haven't dealt with that we right. haven't opened and looked through. So it's just on us. Like it's just but weight. I, I, I understand both sides. Cause I actually, I took, um, a course on like black males and how they handle grief and trauma. And it was by Not this, um, Dr. Alan Lipscomb. And basically what he said is throughout history, when he, he's, he went all the way back to slavery, Jim Crow era. Right. It's like black men have been forced to accept traumatic situations over time. And historically there's never been a place for them to, to let out their emotions, to let out their grief, to, you know, show, um that emotion and like Clyde was saying earlier like if they did show their emotion it would be seen as weak right and people can take advantage of that Mm -hmm. right and that's true you know back then in slavery and Jim Crow era like you had to put on a strong face to make it through right like it was no time for that right but right and now it's the police brutality thing like like he said, that cop is not going to see me cry. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to let right. that cr- cop get the satisfaction that he's making me cry. Like, I have to be strong. But then I get your point, too. It's like, how do you deal with all of that weight and, and maneuver nothing. out through life with that weight just sitting on you and not expressing it, not ex- not showing the emotion? I mean, yeah, I, I understand both sides because I can see how historically there's never been a safe space for black men to be vulnerable right. or to show, you know, that this has affected me. So it's just passed down from generation to generation. Like he said, his dad, you know, didn't show emotion. His dad didn't cry like that. Yeah. So why would he do that if his dad didn't do that? You know what I'm saying? So it makes sense to me. Um, I mean, I kind of understand because no father figure <laughs> even my dad didn't cry growing up like they just didn't Mm -hmm. so i I understand you know like where it comes from but at the same time i think personality plays a lot into it because people have taken advantage of me when i was vulnerable with them and Mm -hmm. like tried to publicly humiliate me like you was crying ha 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 like Mm -hmm. and without i kind of learned from that he said see yeah but that wasn't a reason for me to stop being vulnerable Mm -hmm. it was a reason for me to find who to be vulnerable with Mm -hmm. and i think personality plays a part because one type of personality like my uncle could be like no more i ain't never doing this again this is stupid i hate being Mm -hmm. vulnerable and the other type of personality like me is like all right so people like this are garbage i'm just not going to be vulnerable with them and be vulnerable with who i pick Right. So it's it's personality plays a part too. Yeah, I think too. Like, oh, go ahead, Clyde. Oh, go ahead. I mean, there's people in life that are like that. That that's like their job. Like (laughs) when they see that they strike a nerve, they keep on trying to strike a nerve, and 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 they'll be in a situation to where you you can't avoid them, like your job or. Or, or or at at church or mm-hmm. or something where you have to you have to work together or or a teacher uh, at, at your school 
while you're in class or college. Like it's 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 inevitable. Like these people are around on a daily basis, and there's absolutely nothing you could do about it. So the the idea of <clears throat> but I mean, if we really think about it, though, like a man that's over emotional, like that's very emotional. And you say over emotional? You mean expressive? Like expressive? Cause no, we... no, no, no. I mean, like who? Yeah, like who? Who's always in his feelings? Who's always crying? <laughs> yeah, expressive. You know, you 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 know how it is. If you if you had a homeboy. Uh, you know, in your group, you know, y'all was kicking it at the house or whatever. He was just very emotional about everything. Yeah. You know what they're going to tell him? Stop acting like, you know what I mean? It would That's, be annoying, and, but I wouldn't tell him to stop. <laughs> and and I want to I wanna decipher the two. I'm not telling black men to be overly emotional. I'm just saying... You know, it would be helpful if you had a person to talk to, even like like he was saying, like his wife. Okay, that's good. If you could be vulnerable with your wife, your partner, your lifelong partner, and you could talk about the things that's bothering you with her, then that's good. But there's some men that never even speak about it. And they're like, I got to handle this by myself. Yeah, married no matter what. Right, married, single, whatever it is. Like, I'm just, you know, as a therapist too, it's like, I see the the negative outcomes of holding all that stuff in. And like, you know, a lot of, you know, black male clients get sent to me with like anger issues or, you know, um, conduct issues. Mm. And it's like when I really, you know, do the assessment on them and do the background on them, I, I see all this trauma that they've dealt with. And it's like you could tell they never talked about it. And it's coming out with anger or, you know, misconduct or, you know, being disrespectful. Yeah. And it's like, no, this kid is not bad. This kid is in pain. Yeah. And it's it's scary because it's like if they don't ever learn how to be vulnerable with anybody, what does that look like when they become a black man? Mm-hmm. What can that lead to as a black man? So that that's, you know, my biggest concern. But I wanted to ask another question about what are some common things that black men struggle with um, emotionally, but maybe won't talk about it. Oh, the the expectations uh, that our black women have of us. That's uh, that's a struggle every day. (laughs) 